Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. Today is May 24th, 2023. And the big story of the day is multi-chain has been having some issues there. <laughs> uh, we'll get into the rumors a little bit later. But uh, right now, the big news is that uh, the uh, bridge upgrade has been taking some time and it's been delayed for multi-chain. And the price of multi has dropped 20% as people are starting to worry about the bridging protocol. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think it's hard to comment on like what's going on in particular. I think all we really have to go on on these rumors, and as Sam, as you said, we can talk about that in a second. I think like big picture, like we all need to remember that um, bridges are like a particularly vulnerable piece of our industry right now, and like because that's because what bridges are essentially smart contracts on different chains that you are trusting to like maintain um oh new host yes <laughs> trusting to maintain like consistent balances across chains and like that is is e extremely centralized extremely um like young and i i don't know i i just I want, I want everyone to take this moment to remember that like we treat like bridges and L2s like they are like a battle hardened piece of technology in a robust ecosystem. And the reality is, is they are like very shaky, untested pieces of hyper sophisticated, hyper sophisticated technology that um, can, can fall apart with all your money in it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what it can mean for the average person too is if you're trading with any of these bridge tokens you are also exposed right like multi-chain had like multi-btc um pools on ethereum so if you have any multi-btc and there's an issue like that could potentially depeg so so there's they say that there's only one router left in the upgrade process uh, but it is still taking some time interesting the phantom foundation removed 450,000 uh, multi-tokens from the liquidity pools uh, off of SushiSwap uh, after the price had dropped. So there, there are some unconfirmed rumors. And I mean, these are definitely unconfirmed that the team was arrested in China. Uh, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait for more information about that. Yeah, I think so. So look, unconfirmed rumors, team arrested in China, maybe some insiders knew, dumped a bunch of tokens. Like, I, I don't know. And maybe that's related to like, a technology upgrade that is like stalling, right? None of us have any idea what's going on, like whatever. I just, there's, there's nothing to say. I just, just to hop back to what Garrett was saying about how like the danger of these bridge hacks are not only in people moving their money over, but in the assets that these bridge issues, like let us remember the last major bridge situation we had, which was jump crypto stepping in to like plug a like either it was either four or six hundred million dollar hole because the bridge is hacked and like w the reason it was so critical for them was because essentially like wormhole which was the bridge was projecting liquidity like from basically ethereum into solana and i just we need to like be extremely aware that um, like bridges pose these existential risks, not only because of like the infrastructure and the transferring of assets, but also because like they represent assets on other chains. And so um, multi-chain is like not a small nobody. Like we all know who they are and we all. Yeah. Um, well, just, speaking know. of jump, actually onto our next story, they, re they released a 
uh, in-depth analysis about a double voting issue on the seller network bridge, the C bridge that put over $130 million of locked assets in at risk. Uh, so they said that seller uses a proof of stake Cosmos chain called the state guardian network to relate, relay token transfers and interchain messages between the supported chains. Uh, and this usually has a two of three uh, majority that's needed of SGN stake for the process. However, they found that the code responsible for tallying votes had a big issue. It was missing enforcement for each SGN validator to only cast a single vote. And this would have allowed a single malicious or compromised validator to spoof arbitrary on-chain events by repeatedly voting for them. What does uh, Sam Jr. think about this? <laughs> She's uh, very disappointed, but yeah. happy that the uh, hack was found. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I think, I don't know. Do you guys have anything specific to say? I think, like, I honestly am um, just impressed with, like, how Jump operates as a VC and as a researcher in this space. And I think, um, you know, I, I really appreciate when, like, names that, uh, you know, all of us recognize and that we can trust can, you know, kind of get involved and, like, shed some light on, you know, these situations and, you know, share knowledge with the community on how to build safer products. And so um, I'm sorry, these assets were at risk. Um, I'm glad nothing too catastrophic happened. Yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that meme. I well, like that. Yeah. Uh, speaking right. of assets at risk, we are heading towards FTX 2.0. In a, <laughs> in a leaked document that came out, well, not leaked, but just published document that came out uh, the other day, uh, in the diary of FTX CEO John Reed III, he published information about uh, reviewing 2.0 next steps and also the FTX restart and also finalizing the 2.0 reboot of exchange. So while this had been discussed a while back uh, to great controversy, it looks like the FTX bankruptcy team is trying to restart FTX. Pretty crazy. Yeah. You sort of have to, right? Yeah, you don't have you don't have to. You could just sell the assets off and let somebody else take it. But well, okay. So this is me literally reading tea leaves. Um, but if you look at the um, screenshot that we posted, it it's possible you could read this as FTX 2.0 is just a temporary thing that they need to do in order to sell it. Because look at that last line. It says review and comment on 2.0 bidder list. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, Garrett, I think you have a point. Like you, like you can't just like walk away from the wreckage. Something needs to happen here. And um, yeah, I, people. I don't know. I mean, I, I, my money is on they're going to restart it, like so that it has economic value and they can sell it to um, Binance, basically. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Yeah, it would be it would be probably not in the best interest of all the creditors to have this restart because it essentially becomes a startup then, right? You don't know yeah. if it's going to work yeah. or not. And then they're spending money on running the thing and that money could just go back to creditors when, you know, it, it. So maybe they're trying to sell it. Maybe they're trying to restart it. We'll find out more as the time comes. But this is definitely an interesting, uh, interesting break in the in the FTX case. So also uh, this week, we had Coinbase launching their wallet as a service. And this is actually pretty cool. It's, it's reminiscent of another project called Magic, I believe, where uh, with simple API integration, uh, you can integrate a, 
uh, crypto wallet into any website that allows for access uh, just using a um, <clears throat> a uh, email address. It's cool, but do they have a recovery service where I could shard my private key into three components, send it to three different companies and recover it? Because I'd pay like 10 bucks a month for that. Uh, with Coinbase, you just use a password and the password is on 65 dark websites already. So you're good. You don't have to pay extra for that. Oh, okay. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, on a like on a slightly more serious note, like obviously like these kinds of services are not particularly interesting to the three of us or really anyone listening to this stream, but I'm all for just like ease of use and like quality of life stuff for non-advanced people. And I just see this stuff as like um, kind of lubricating the, the, the runway or the entry points for um, retail when the next bull cycle starts. Oh, I agree. I'm a big fan of Coinbase. Like I got my parents on board there when they asked questions about crypto, right? Like it's so oh. easy and familiar for them. Oh, uh, when my parents ask questions, I just do it for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still had to do it for them a bit, even though it's like <laughs> the onboarding <laughs> process is like, yeah, you know, what's your social security number? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and Why I need my help typing that in. Come on. And I do trust Google to maintain the safety of people's email addresses. Like it is quite hard to get. I mean, you, you have to give information out from your Google account to get hacked. I mean, uh, you know, it, it weirdly happened to my wife the other day where like, she got contacted by somebody. She was selling something on like Facebook market. And then they contacted her. They're like, okay, we're going to send you a code. Like, can you like give us the information when we receive it just so we can make this transfer? And then they tried to reset her Google account. You know, you get that message and they're like, what's the code? What's the code? What's the code? What's the code? And like, it freaked her out enough that she didn't do anything and just like blocked them. But I'm sure like it, that's pretty much the only way that you can lose your Google account in the current moment. Yeah, I think um, this is like slightly off topic for what we're talking about for our area of expertise. But I do think that um, the reality for like 99.99% of hacks is social engineering and like people just making kind of like silly mistakes that broke the technology that like totally works. And um, like very, very good on you, your wife, Sam, and like congratulations, because like that, that shit's just so hard and scary and comes out of you from left field. And then like in an instant, you know, your stuff, your information or whatever is just gone. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, PSA to everyone out there is just like, be aware that um, like the same principles of not your keys, not your crypto, like do apply to your Google account and accounts of that caliber and just be safe out there. So, Garrett, what's happening with Curve USD? It's been a week now. Can you give us an update on uh, everything that's been happening with uh, the newly launched protocol? Yeah, it's been an exciting week. It's above $5 million in SFRAX ETH has been, um, uh, sorry, $500 million in Curve USD has been minted off of the back of SFRAX ETH collateral. Uh, it has a cap of $10 million, so that's the, uh, represents over halfway. Uh, at this point, we have seen now, like because prices have been like fairly range bound uh we've seen it kind of trading within this range where um and most people are getting pretty close to uh, they're putting their collateral like right up to the bleeding edge um mitch was able to finally run some numbers on how his portfolio fared during that of course he put in like a million dollars worth and uh he was only liquidated like one to 1.5 percent 
um, because it was kind of in that narrow range yeah. and you know, trading back and forth. So the liquidation deliquidation mechanisms actually worked. Uh, if people are interested, I posted a video today to the Curve uh, YouTube channel. Um, look for a tweet for it in a second. Uh, just explaining the mechanics of how to actually perform arbitrating using Curve USD. Uh, so the way that some of the peg keeper mechanisms work is by actually looking into some of these, um, some of these uh, like peg keeper llama pools, and running transactions through it to reinforce the peg. So I have a detailed tutorial on how you can actually run those arbitrates yourself. That's super cool, and I think like one day it would be uh, um, good to just do like a sideshow about. Kind of just like the more like what's lurking um, underneath the surface that like makes DeFi run and like keep what what is arbitrage and our bots and like how do they interact with the protocols that um, we love and so like Garrett let, let's put that on the calendar for some time but while just yeah. while we're in this narrow curve USD thing um, can you the something I'm not like really uh, clear on is on these like curve usd um, mint caps and so totally understand like when you're testing like you put on uh, training wheels and it's no big deal but um in the final version when curve usd is like in production and ready to go how how do the how, is there a cap system is it like per asset is it just based on um like how, where, where do these caps come into play yeah, absolutely. And uh, Sam, if you want to pull up the graphic, I can actually show what the current liquidity bands look like um, real quick. So as you can see, like all, as I mentioned, all that collateral is clustered right up against the uh, bleeding edge, except mm -hmm. for one person who is like 50 bucks at a liquidation <laughs> price of like 300 bucks. Um, <laughs> as you zoom in here, you can also see the effects of this kind of Oracle price dropping and the uh, liquidations happening. Uh, so most of band negative one has now been converted and it's going to be closing in on zero soon. Um, Rex, to get back to your question. So it's most of the um, like future is reserved for the DAO. At the moment, it's difficult because to actually run a DAO vote on these kind of new pieces of collateral, like there's no UI interface to do it mm -hmm. easily. Yeah. Uh, you kind of just have to like run this like uh, brownie or ape script um, you know, set the parameters yourself, upload it to the DAO, and if you make a mistake, then you know, whoops, like you yeah. <laughs> messed up the <laughs> effed up the rollout. Um, so, like, um, there has been some talk uh, from Mitch on Twitter, just asking people what the next collateral they'd like to see onboarded is, and presumably, like, um, like I don't know exactly like the inner workings of it enough to know if it's like those next pieces will be subject to a DAO vote. I do know that the thing that had been holding it back had been technical, which is that uh, some of the pools like a Steph pool would require a certain Oracle type that needs like a DAO vote and like a bunch of deployments um, and possibly some, um, it basically like uh, it needs to have an internal price Oracle that's compatible with curve USD to be able to go live. So um, yeah. I believe that's getting close to being wrapped up. So Steph uh, could be on board as collateral soon. So, so looking at this right here, like, it, where is there anything here about the five or the five or ten million dollar curve USD cap limit, mint limit? Right. Um, I don't see that listed as a parameter in the within the UI. So you would need okay. to find that by going into the smart contract itself. Okay. Well, yeah, this is definitely like one of the consequences of testing in prod is that like, we're all trying to, <laughs> yeah, like Garrett is literally going into the EVM to answer questions. <laughs> uh, <just either> <laughs> <again>. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> no, no, that, th not important. I, I th like these are all um, these are questions that need to be answered at like the people and process level. And like you've already answered them, Garrett, by showing this, showing us this, which is we're not there yet. So one thing that has been blowing up this week is this Bitcoin stamps, and this is another NFT. Uh, I guess you could say version that is deployed on counterparty rather than just on the uh, witness network. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a like Ethereum, um, again, like I, I think this is good for Bitcoin. And I think it's like good to have just more economic activity and more brand equity in um, in Bitcoin and like what can happen around it. But, you know, the more I think about like this topic, especially around like BRC tokens, the more like you really got a question, like if if Bitcoin is not this like pristine store of value that can't do anything except for be transferred, and that's what makes it beautiful, then like, what are we doing right now? Like, what is happening to Bitcoin right now? I mean, is this, I, I don't know, Garrett, like, what do you, what do you, when you see all this crazy stuff happening, do you think um, for Bitcoin, is this good or not so good? It's really funny because I feel like I came to crypto through Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. So like I like, heard all the Bitcoin narratives and then at some point, like I don't even remember when, but my mind share shifted to Ethereum and I just stopped paying attention to Bitcoin land. Um, but I think they're going through some cognitive dissonance right now, right? Yeah. Like they need to like allow some progress within their protocol if they're going to survive. Um, like they can get a lot of mileage out of doing nothing and they have. Um, but at some point, like uh, like Ethereum and all these other like um, uh, competitors are going to like eat their eat its lunch, uh, so I think they're kind of having to go through this like tough evolution process, and um, you know I don't know how they how to uh, smooth that over for them. Yeah, and I like I'm just I'm a huge believer in like um, just committing to what you're doing, you know. And I feel like if if the development of crypto is a race, and we're like halfway through or a third of the way through or whatever, and like, I feel like Bitcoin's reached a point where, like, they started running the race saying we're going to be this pristine, like, pristine asset. And we're halfway through the race and, like, kind of feels like they're starting to turn around to go down the Ethereum route, you know? Uh, potentially. I, I don't know if you guys watched the uh, the Great Ordinals debate at the Bitcoin conference. It was actually really interesting. Bit. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things about the Ordinals that they did say is that it's probably the best way that you could create NFTs on the on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, but these new stamps, they're actually run on counterparty. And so uh, while the ordinal information can be pruned out uh, and not be kept on uh, your your UTXO set, these stamps uh, are a part of the UTO set, UTXO set and uh, definitely provide more data that a full node would have to keep. So, oh. yeah. Wait, got it. So... I misunderstood um, when you introduced it. So you're saying that it um, ordinals are inscribing their data to the taproot system, which is part of Bitcoin, but is not part of the core protocol, the, like the base protocol. And these new bit stamps are actually inscribing data into like In what we think of as Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. So Bitcoin stamps are actually on counterparty. So it's a, it's an NFT um, um like it's like ERC one five five, I believe is what they said it was. Uh, and these uh, NFTs are then using the the counterparty system to uh, inscribe, like not inscribe themselves, but to uh, to to be created, right? Uh, mm -hmm. While everything that's happening with the ordinals is using the witness data, 
that was included with SegWit uh, to put that data there. And so a full node doesn't have to keep the, the SegWit data. They can mm -hmm. prune that off. Uh, and that can you know, just be something that they keep somewhere else. But all of these Bitcoin stamps actually are uh, added to the UTXO set. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the a conversation that Garrett and I still stands, which is like, you know, if you believe as an Ethereum, like this is good for the economic activity of Bitcoin, but it does like draw into a lot of questions like the mnemonic purpose and like the like what was Bitcoin? What is Bitcoin? <laughs> Um, and so I don't know. I mean, welcome to the brave new world. Um, and I, I don't know what this means, but, um, yeah, well, like, I'm glad that I'm glad that people are like really grappling with these existential issues. Well, that's good. I mean, my, my understanding of Bitcoin is just that it's a proof of work system with the most amount of hash power. Right. And so, um, well, it, I, I think that's what it's turning into because it has to turn into that with ordinals and with bit stamps and stuff. Right. But I think four weeks ago or whatever, four months ago, before we had any of this stuff, like there was a huge contingent of people that said Bitcoin is digital gold. Like it's not about like computation. It's not about like it's digital gold. Like the point of it is that like it's not fancy. It's not complicated. Can't do anything like it's just perfect. <laughs> and then uh, the last story for today. Yeah, yeah, cyber hornets. So the last story for today that we have is that uh, Ledger's planning to uh, do two things. One, they're pausing the launch of the uh, recover service at the moment. And then they're also going to be accelerating open source work uh, in the wake of all the backlash that they received. So Ledger Recover is dead for now. No more government uh, subpoenas coming for your crypto. And uh, they're going to be pushing open source. I mean, you should have, should have played like hired a PR team before. Yeah, you like a PR team. <laughs> I'm really, really glad that after all of like the animals have left the barn, we figured out how to lock it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, just whatever. I know, I know. It took them going deeper and deeper into the like the just the uh, nasty dark hole full of terrible comments made from yeah. everyone on their team. Uh, to figure out that, oh, hey, maybe we shouldn't release this and we should actually cater towards our our users. Or put another way, it took asking customers for feedback. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> maybe customers don't want a $10 a month recovery service or yeah. like just, just launch, it, launch it separately. Like, I don't understand why it has to be a part of like the, the built-in firmware. It's just crazy. Yeah. 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 Anyway, we don't need to relitigate this, but um, I don't know. It's just like watching watching the incompetent people pick up the pieces of like something that didn't even need to break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in some last news, the U S treasury sanctioned North Korean wallets owned by Binance, uh, or at least that North Koreans that were operating wallets on Binance.com. And there's been some leaked information about EU banks accessing stable coins, but this is all just uh, kind of other stuff. We're interested in DeFi. We care about on-chain stuff. And so that's going to wrap it up for today. So we will be back tomorrow. It's May 24th. And uh, thanks for everybody for tuning in. Thank you all. And until the tie returns, we'll be back.